Well, most of you here know that our associate minister is Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar, whom we love and appreciate so deeply. And as I've told you on other occasions, Dr. Lisa is one of the best preachers in Canada, one of the best preachers in Canada. Amen. Another, another one of the best preachers in Canada is Reverend Dr. Tina Petamber, right in front of you here today. And that's why we asked her to preach on this Sunday, because she is one of Canada's best, and we try to provide the very best for Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. So give her a warm welcome, would you? Amen. Amen. She is the minister of which church? The Richmond Hill Solid Rock Church of the Nazarene, a congregation that we started just over 10 years ago. God bless Dr. Tina Pitamber. Amen. And one of the best ministers in the world is Pastor Nick Stavropoulos. So please, <laughs> please show your appreciation <laughs> oh. to Pastor Nick. He's one of well, a kind. He's very unique. Bless. Amen. <laughs> very and unique. And he's, huh? <laughs> he's got a wonderful wife. A wonderful wife. Amen. God bless you. Amen. I, I wasn't expecting that. Okay, I, I, I didn't pay. I didn't pay her to say that. By the way, you can pay me later. <laughs> um, the last time I was here, I think it was uh, January 2017 uh, in the mor the morning service. I've been here in the evening, and uh, that was a special day too because Pastor Nick had asked me to come preach. It was a New Year's Day. And on that same day, my sister's husband-to-be was in the same service. And now they're married, and they are here. And so I'm expecting the same miracle to happen today for me. <laughs> so I'm scouting out you right now, because good things happen in the church of God. Amen? <laughs> I'd like to meet any... Um... <laughs> Any men candidates wishing to marry this young lady, I'd like to meet you uh, back to the sanctuary there. I will inspect very carefully. She deserves the very, very best. But all joking aside, we're just grateful to be here today. Amen? If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 46. And the title of the sermon today is, Which Side Are You On? Which Side Are You On? And uh, we're going to read God's Word, Luke 23, 32 to 46. Here's what the Word of God says. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the other criminals, one on his right side and one on the, other, on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. 
but this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that uh, as we come here now, we listen to the word. We pray that you will speak to us as we think about Good Friday and what it means to us as believers in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you are here. We thank you, Lord, for our time of worship. We thank you for our time of prayer. We thank you for the, the choir leading and singing these songs unto you, Lord. Everything we do is for you. Everything that we are is for you and for your honor and for your glory. We do not come here to glorify ourselves. We come here to glorify the living King, and his name is Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you are blessed and highly favored, and you want to bless us as well. And so we pray in these moments that we will hear from the Lord. May the words that come out of my mouth may not be what I say, but what God wants us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This is the biblical account of the crucifixion for Jesus Christ. And uh, Mark also read earlier uh, a different uh, perspective from the book of John. And you will recall in this week that uh, a lot has happened up until today, which is Friday. On Sunday, it was Palm Sunday. And that was the time when Jesus came into Jerusalem and he was riding on a donkey and uh, they would have had their palm leaves, the people, the crowd, and they raised those palm leaves, those branches up to Jesus saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so they were worshiping Jesus. They were excited about Jesus and his coming because they understood Jesus to be the Messiah that has finally come to deliver the people from their oppression. Then on Monday, the Bible tells us that Jesus went to the temple, and Jesus was very upset on the Monday because people were selling items in the house of God. And as we know, the house of God is not for a place of selling, but the house of God is a place for reconciliation, a place of confession, a place of blessing, and who knows, a place of matchmaking as well, right? And so in the house of God, anything can happen. And so we are just grateful when we come to the house of God, good things can happen. If you are sick, you can be healed. I remember one time somebody came to our church and she had a tumor in her brain and we prayed for her. And then she emailed me that week and she said, you won't believe it, but the doctor says it shrunk. All because we believe in the power of God. Amen. And then on Tuesday, Jesus uh, was being challenged by the, the people in authority. And Judas, one of his disciples, unfortunately, uh, uh, decides to betray Jesus. And Judas was one of the disciples. He was following Jesus. He was mentored by Jesus. He was uh, being taught by Jesus. And unfortunately, he makes a decision to betray Jesus. And in our own life as well, sometimes the people we love, sometimes the people we invest in might turn their backs on us, but God still wants us to love everybody and to forgive them, no matter what they have done. Then on Thursday, which was yesterday, it would have been the Last Supper. Jesus would have been with his disciples, and they had the time of supper together. And it, on that same day, Jesus was also in the Garden of Gethsemane, struggling as he thought about the will of God for his life. 
And the good news is, as he struggled before the Lord, he said to God, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Not my will, but your will be done. And that's the kind of prayer that God wants us to have in our own life as well. Jesus was betrayed and arrested on the Thursday. Then on Friday, today, he is tried by the Jewish Roman authorities and he's disowned by Peter. And on this day, he dies. And while this happens, you will notice in the word of God, as we have just read, that as he is going to be crucified, there are also two other men that will be crucified with him. The Bible says they come to a place called the skull. And in Aramaic, that is Golgotha. And in Latin, it's Calvaria, which is why the site is called Calvary. And Jesus is situated in the middle between these two other men. One man on his left and one man on his right. Three different men, three different situations. And I want you to think about this question today. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Let's take a look at the first criminal. The Bible says in verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults to Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. First of all, we know from the word that he's a sinner. He made a mistake. He broke the law. He's committed a crime. And the Bible says now that he's going to be crucified for his crime. But also think about this. He has a chance that most people won't get in their lifetime. He's going to die beside Jesus. He's going to be beside the Savior of the world. And many times I hear people say, as a young person and as I'm getting older, uh, if I could see God, I would believe. Well, this man was so close to Jesus. He was right there. And instead of showing Jesus respect, he decides to show, shout insults at the Lord. He says, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. And you know, today and has been for the last 2,000 years, people have been insulting Jesus. People have been persecuting people who believe in Jesus Christ. And they make fun of us. They make fun of people who believe in a God and believe in Christ. This is nothing new today. We see it in the Bible. We see it around the world. Even today, people are dying because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And why would this man uh, insult Jesus in this moment? Why would he say such hateful words? Well, there's many possibilities. Maybe he's mad about life because now he's going to die. But maybe, just maybe, there have been some things that have happened to him in life. Maybe he didn't have a good father figure. Maybe he didn't have a good relationship if he was married. Maybe he was abused as a child. Or maybe he's dealing with a lot of bad breaks that has happened in his life. Maybe he has uh, lost a loved one in his life. And maybe he's just struggling with sin. And rather than believing that in that moment his life can change and believe who's, who's right beside him, he decides that he's going to be bitter, he's going to be angry, and he's going to have hatred about life. He decides the best way to handle his situation is to surrender to his pain, surrender to his hurt and his bitterness, to surrender to the idea that he can't change, that he will remain a sinner. In essence, this man on the side of Jesus represents the person who no longer believes in life, who has given up on life completely. And this person 
will no longer have faith in God and will be in the dark and will die in the dark. He believes there's no point in trying anymore. And I wonder if there's somebody here today who's feeling the same way. I wonder if there's somebody here today who's angry about life because you're not understanding what's going on. You don't know why this bad situation has happened. Maybe you're feeling defeated like this man. Maybe you feel like you've had bad break after bad break after bad break. And maybe you're feeling upset about life and you feel like, what's the point of trying? What's the point of trying when all around the world there's so much chaos going on? There's disasters, there's fires, there's death, there's violence and so forth, and then there's sin. This is number one today. Are you on the side of this man will die defeated and without hope? Think about that. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like the older I get, the more I realize that life is not easy. You know when you're a kid and you're five and you're running around and you go to school and you're on the playground, you're like, this is great. Everything's taken, for, taken care of for me. You come home, your parents help you with your, your dinner and you do your homework and you go to bed and you think this is life. But how many of you know that life is rough and things don't go according to plan, right? I mean, we can plan, 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 and then God has his plan. And sometimes you're like, Lord, what is this plan? This plans make no sense to me. And uh, sometimes life takes a detour. Things that you hope would have happened by now haven't happened. Things that you thought would have changed by now ha hasn't changed. And uh, what if life is taking a detour? And what if what's going on right now is actually the will of God for your life? Think about that. What if it's the will of God? Or what if you're going through what you're going through because sin is really real and we make those kinds of decisions in our life? Sometimes we're going through what we're going through because also there is a real person out there named Satan and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And for those of you who may not know, Satan was an angel who fell from the grace of God because he wanted to be better than the Lord and then, he, then a third of the angels went down with him as well. And we have what's called a spiritual warfare going on and these angels help Satan to basically go and devour and prowl against people like you and me to make sure that we do not believe in God and to make sure that we are not on the side of Christ. These are real matters in life. And then there are things in life that just don't make sense like sickness, like death, like oppression and evil and chaos and uh, sin is very real. And this man on the side of Jesus broke the law and he was very bitter against what was very bitter against Jesus and what was going to happen. And he was mad about life. Is that where you are today? Are you mad about what's happened in your life? Are you upset with the Lord? It's my prayer today that you leave today on the other side. It is my prayer today that you leave understanding the love of Jesus Christ Amen. and that you understand the hope that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Because if you're on this side of the cross or on the side of Jesus, you will leave not knowing what it means to be forgiven. And today you can make a choice to surrender your hurt, your pain to God, to surrender the challenges you have, the, the hardships you've had, to the Lord. Are you willing to do that today, to be different than this man? Well, on the other side of the cross, we have another criminal. And the Bible says in verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him and says, don't you fear God? 
Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then Jesus says, then he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. And you know what's amazing about this man? This man says to the other criminal, don't you fear God? Do you know what that means? It means don't you have any respect for the Lord? Don't you, don't you have any respect for who is actually in the middle here? And he goes on to say, this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong, and he has come to die for the world. And he says to him, we have committed a sin. We have made a mistake. We should be here. And this second man understands, this second criminal understands that he's not perfect, that he's a sinner, and he says, I and we should be punished for our sins. He understands this simple principle, that when you're wrong, you are wrong. Amen? And when you are wrong, a punishment should follow. And he says to himself, we have made mistakes. We have made wrong decisions. But in this moment, right in front of Jesus, dying on the cross, he understands that we can have a second chance with the Lord. We can ask for forgiveness. And so he says to Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And this is true today. This man will die redeemed and with hope. Amen? Amen. This man will experience the sweetness of forgiveness. And because of this, he will die a child of God. He will not be what the world calls him. He will not be a criminal. He will be the son of the Most High God. And he will die with hope. And he will die with forgiveness. And he will die without the bondage of sin anymore. He will die no longer guilty or condemned. Amen? Amen. Same road. Three different men. This man realizes that Jesus is our hope. He's the light. And he understands that just because life didn't go well or life didn't start well, it doesn't mean we have to end awful or on a bad note. We can end on a high note with the Lord. Amen? And I don't know where you are right now in your life. Maybe you're struggling with sins that have taken over. Maybe you have a broken heart. You're struggling with, why did this happen to me? Why did I lose a loved one? Why did I lose a job? Why am I sick? We all go through these different things and ask these different questions. And maybe you are like the first man who is bitter and hurt and hard, but God is calling you and I to be like the second man, to see what is in front of you, which is Jesus Christ, and to see the hope that we have in the Lord. And although we may feel defeated, when you know who Jesus is, we are not defeated anymore. We have victory in the Lord. Amen? Amen. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are no longer called a sinner. You are holy. You are righteous. You are redeemed. You are a child of God. You are a son and daughter of the Most High. You are not what they say you are. You are what God says you are. And it's not by what we do because this gift of salvation is not about coming to church and giving your tithes and serving. And these are all good things. But it's not the good things that we do that makes us right with the Lord. It is by grace we have been saved through faith. Amen? Amen. 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 
So nobody can say, well, I did this, and I donated this, and I did this. It is not by works. It is by the grace of God. And today you get to choose. Are you on the left side or are you on the right side? Are you going to be like this man who's going to die a sinner, hopeless and bitter? Or will you be like the second criminal who has been redeemed and is dying with hope? Isn't that wonderful? You can die with hope. Amen. It's like an oxymoron, but with our God, anything is possible. I remember my own story when I was a kid. Uh, I wasn't raised a Christian. I was, uh, uh, we know we just didn't go to church. And then uh, when um, I remember as a kid, like even when I was five, I just remember there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more in life than people and the rain and the sun and so forth. There just has to be more. And uh, a woman knocked on our door when I was eight. She was a Nazarene lady going to a Nazarene church. Knocked on our door, invited our family to church. My mom said, we're going to church. So we went. And when mom says we're doing something, we have to do it. And uh, she's not here today. She's actually at Main Street Church looking to support Pastor Mike and Lisa as they have Good Friday service there. But uh, so rounded up us kids, went to church. And I really got to com com um, commend my mother because we would go to church on the bus sometimes. My mom was determined to get to church. And um, I want to encourage you mothers and fathers to, to bring your kids to church because, you know, that you're going to hear now that that was very crucial to my walk with the Lord. And so we went to church, and then on the day that we went to church, they were actually showing the Jesus film of Jesus dying on the cross, shedding blood, his, his body was bruised. And I remember watching this as an eight-year-old, and I thought, this is brutal. Why am I in church watching a man who did nothing wrong uh, be, be, uh, be, be treated this way? Like, I didn't understand. And then the Sunday school teacher under, uh, explained what was going on. And then she said, does anybody want to give their heart to Jesus? And I knew in that moment I had to do this. I had been waiting for something bigger than myself. I had been waiting for something different than what I was living. And this was my moment. And so she said, anybody want to give their heart to Jesus? And I put my hand up. And I gave my heart to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, my life was changed. I went from darkness to light. I went from no hope to hope. All of a sudden, everything looked good to me. Everything just looked different, like I had a new pair of glasses. And my life was changed. And from that point on, God has been talking to me as I've been walking with the Lord. I would go to Sunday school in the morning, go to church every week with my mother and my parents. And, you know, I remember when I was 19, I was at the University of Toronto, and God called me into ministry. And I said, Lord, I don't understand all of this, but if you're calling me, I have to be obedient. And so I finished up my degree, and then I did my master's in theology. And I'm very thankful to the Rosewood Church and, and Pastor Nick and all the pastors who supported what God was doing in my life. And uh, now we're in 2019 and 2008, we planted the church in Richmond Hill, and it's been over 10 years of ministry in Richmond Hill. So God is working in our life. And in that moment, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I realized that I don't have to, to walk around with the guilt of my sins anymore. My life was different and is different. What about you? When did you give your heart to Jesus? How did that change you? And maybe today you can be like this man who gave his heart to Jesus and received the glory of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Will you be able to say like this man that you are forgiven? Well, there's one more man on this passage that we need to pay attention to, and that is Jesus Christ. And he's the man in the middle. And unlike the other two, he is not 
a sinner. He does not need to be redeemed. And this is number three. This man died to save the world. And verse 44 says, It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. The sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. Jesus is not a sinner. He did not commit any crime, yet there he was with the other two criminals. He is not, he does not need to be forgiven. He offers forgiveness. And, uh, but on the contrary, he's being treated like he is a criminal. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God in the flesh. And we have to go back to the beginning to really understand this whole story. Back in Adam and Eve, when they sinned, everybody born after Adam and Eve has a sinful nature. This means that we all have the tendency to sin. And without Jesus Christ, there is no hope for us. Without Jesus, we will lie. Without Jesus, we will steal. Without Jesus, we'll be in bondage. Without Jesus, there is no hope for us. Without Jesus, we'll be in our addictions. Without Jesus, we will look to people and look to things to satisfy our soul. We will look to relationships. We will look to pleasures to satisfy our soul. We will look to money. And in some cases, people look to horoscopes, to psychics, to crystal balls, to witchcraft. But let me tell you something today. Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. And I know there's a lot of young people here today and you're thinking about what is life all about. I'm going to say this plainly and boldly. Your life is about honoring God and receiving Jesus Christ. It's not about what's going on on social media. It's not about what's, what you post and what you have and what you don't have. It's not about all these different things because at the end of the day, we're going to die. And we're not going to leave any of these things. We're not going to take any of these things when we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, we're going to honor God and glorify his name because he deserves to be glorified. And that is going to be a wonderful time when we get to heaven. No more pain, no more suffering, no more car accidents, no more dying, no more disease. I look forward to the day when I go and see Jesus. I tell people, I'm in my 30s, I'm ready to go. And my family's like, no, you can't go. I'm like, I don't care. I am ready to go because there's nothing here for me. Yes, I have family, and yes, I have friends, and I have money, but these are not eternal things. These are temporary things. And we have to be careful because we can get so attached to these things. What if God asks you to give up the very thing in your life that you are attached to? He did that with Abraham. Abraham, give up your son Isaac. In my life, I've had to give up some things. And I'm sure some of you have also had to give up some things too. But here's the good news. And if it's a loved one, we will see them in heaven. We will see them in heaven. Amen? And so we live in this world where we look for things to fill this void in our heart. And it was never God's plan for us to be spiritually disconnected to him. When God created the, the, the garden, he wanted Adam and Eve. They had it good, and then they messed up the plan. And don't blame Adam and Eve, because if you were there, you would do the same thing too. Messed up the plan. All right? There's no point of going to heaven saying, what, what were you thinking, Adam? What were you thinking, Eve? Let me tell you something. We would probably do the same thing. All right? But God's plan is a plan of love. And just like how a parent loves a child, 
and a wife loves, loves their husband, and a sister loves their sibling. So it is with God. He loves us. In fact, God knew we were going to mess up the plan before it even happened, so he had a pre-plan for our mistakes. 1 Peter 1:19 says, But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. It makes me excited to know that before we even sin, God had a plan for us. Don't you like that, that God has a plan before the problem? And whatever you're going through right now, you have a problem, God already has a plan to fix it. Amen? And just think about that. He had a plan before we had the problem. God is not reactive. He is proactive. Praise the Lord. And I'm a very structured person, and I like people who come planned, prepared, and ready. I don't like all this spontaneous stuff. I am not adventurous like Pastor Lisa, who's got the, got the bike and she'll be on the cliff. I am not. No way. But that's okay. We're all different for good reason. But God is a God of structure. You know that, right? <laughs> and the Lord is good. And so as we think about this, are you the second criminal today? Do you understand the depth of your sin? Do you understand that you have made mistakes before the Lord? Because if you don't understand, if we don't understand that, this message makes no sense. Because there are people that come in here or out the doors or in society who just think they're good. They're a good person. They give money to the poor. They, they help people in need. But you, if you understand the depth of your sin, then you understand the depth of God's grace. Amen. When you understand the depth of your sin, you have a great appreciation for God's grace. And justice means that when someone does something wrong, there has to be a consequence. When somebody murders somebody in our society, there has to be a trial, there has to be a case, there has to be a price. When somebody steals something, there has to be a price. When someone sexually assaults a person or rapes them, we expect justice. When something wrong happens, the guilty person has to pay a price. Well, the same principle applies in our walk with God. Every time we do wrong, we have a case file now against the Lord. We have a case file of all the wrong things we have done. And everybody here has sinned. James 2.10 says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles just at one point is guilty of breaking all of the law. So just because you stole five cents and somebody else murders somebody else, those are both sins in the eyes of God. One is not less important to the Lord. A sin is a sin. And everybody here has sinned before the Lord. Romans 3.10 says there's no one that is righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have sinned. And Romans 3.23, as you know, some of you, have, it says, uh, uh, says that uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of the Lord. So just like a person who has committed a crime in society and has to go to trial and has to have a case, we also have a case as well. That's why the man on the second, on the second side said to the other man, he said, we are being punished for what we have done. But Jesus, he's done nothing wrong. So the story should be, we sinned, we should pay a price, we need to die. But the good news today, and this is why it's Good Friday, God rewrote our story. God rewrote our case. The Bible says that Jesus came to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. 
I want you to think about this. For every sin that we commit, Satan takes the file and he goes to God and says, this is Tina's case file. At age five, she did this. At age 10, she did this. At age 12, she did this. And he takes the file to God and he says, you know the system. Blood has to be shed. In the Old Testament, they would take a lamb and an animal and shed blood to atone for the sins. And so God, in his mercy, sees what is going on down here. And he sees the case file. And he sees all the things you have done. And he says, you know what? You are right, Satan. They are wrong. A price does have to be paid. And he says, and Satan's our prosecutor in the court case. You are wrong. And God says, we are wrong. And so he says, don't let Tina die. Don't let Rosewood Church die. Let me die instead. And this is the God we serve. This is what true love looks like. True love is sacrifice. It's pain. It's honor. It's giving up, giving up for someone else. And this is the depth of God's love for you and me today. On the cross, so many things happen. On the cross, Jesus was our substitution. We should be on the cross, but Jesus died and said. The Bible says, God made him who had no sin become sin and righteousness for us. On the cross, when Jesus died, sin and Satan's work was over. Mark read the scriptures and said, it is finished. The one who, the Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, it says here, the one who does what is sinful is the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. It was the place where the greatest sacrifice was made. It is a place of hope and reconciliation between us and God. And when you understand the depth of God's love, when you understand, when we understand that God took our place, then you understand grace. Then you understand grace. This is what true love looks like. Today, as we think about God's word, what side are you on? Are you on the side of the man who's bitter, who does not even want to be forgiven, Or are you on the side of the other man who said to Jesus, remember me, forgive me? Do you know that God wants us to change? He wants us to surrender to him. He doesn't want us to have this life of of hopelessness, but he has a life of love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Are you willing to embrace this Jesus? Or are you like the first man and you're just insulting the Lord? You know what? God does not force you to choose to love him. He's not about um, fake love. And you know what? None of us want that either in our life. We want people who want to genuinely love us, right? And God gives you the choice of free will to go before him and say, I want your love. I want this love. Will you come forward and and pray today as we uh, go into our time of prayer of saying, Lord, I don't want to be like that first man. I want to be the second man. I want to be forgiven. I want to have hope. And I want to have a new life. And so I want us to take this time right now to bow our heads.
It's Good Friday today because you and I can leave church with a new start. And so let's just take this time, this moment to pray together. Heavenly Father, as we think about a story like this today, that did happen, we understand the depth of God's love. We understand why Jesus came. We understand why he died on the cross. We understand that we are sinners and we need a savior. And today, we can embrace Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here today who's never heard this message and they are saying, I want Jesus. I want the Lord. We humbly bow our heads today and we say, Lord Jesus, come into our hearts. We believe in your power. We believe in your death. We believe in your resurrection. We believe our sins are forgiven today. And we believe that we are now ready for heaven. And then there are some of us today who have given our hearts to Jesus. And it's been five years and 10 years and 15 and 20. Lord, help us never to take for granted the story of the cross. Amen. Help us to remember in these moments today the depth of God's love, the sacrifice that was paid, a high price that was paid for our sins. Amen. In the court case, the judge will have to say, you know, you have to pay X amount of years or die. But we are so thankful today that we don't have that outcome. We are so thankful today that God died in our place. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And that we are now free from sin, and now we can live a life of hope. This is our prayer today as we think about and reflect on the story of the cross. This is Good Friday. Although a hard day for us to understand and to comprehend, it is good for us because we are now free. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.